The GI Research Foundation was able to produce this podcast with a sponsorship from Takeda. I had one lady share with me recently. She was just sobbing with joy in her preschool parking lot because she was finally able to bring her children to preschool. And that's because she had a colectomy and had an ileostomy placed. Thank you for joining us today on this episode of Visceral. Uh, a podcast from the GI Research Foundation. Today with me, I have Marita Kamedis and Janice Caldwell, who are both APNs who specialize in ostomy care. And welcome, Jan and Marita. I'm so excited to talk with you today about ostomy care, particularly for our IBD patients. Um, so, Jan, if you could introduce yourself a little bit, uh, I would say that uh, we have uh, worked together for 10 years. So I know you pretty well. But um, whenever I mention that I work with you among nurses or APNs, uh, it is like working with a rock star. So Jan's background, I know she hates it when I say this, but Jan's background uh, and her reputation uh, really uh, are uh, probably among the best in the world for this kind of work. So Jan? <laughs> wow, Annie. Okay, thank you. Well, you made me smile and I appreciate it. I, I, am, I consider myself quite a lucky um, advanced practice nurse because I have been in the field of ostomy care for more than 40 years. And when I say it, I, I always blink a few times and go, really, it's gone so fast. But I've been very lucky to spend my entire career at the University of Chicago with a group of wonderful clinicians who all believe, as I do, that anyone with an ostomy deserves that one-on-one -on -one ongoing care to make that adjustment and initially to make the decision to have an ostomy and then um, to learn how to manage it and then be there to support people for a long time. So I, I'm very lucky that I've been doing something that I love. Um, I've also been able to contribute to the field. I am the past president of the Wound Ostomy and Continence Nurses Society, so I was able to contribute to that field as well. And I continue to be on the board of directors of a charity group. It's called Friends of Ostomists Worldwide USA. And our mission is to supply ostomy supplies to those people around the world who don't have access to supplies. And it's another area I'm very proud to participate in. It's so important. Um, more than 40 years, it's unbelievable um, what expertise you have amassed in that time and just how, what a leader you are in this field. And um, we're so grateful that you work with us. And Marita is uh, a rising star in the field of ostomy care. Marita, could you introduce yourself? Absolutely. So my name is Marita Kamitas. I am a nurse practitioner. Um, I function in a dual role, which is very exciting for me um, in the inflammatory bowel disease clinic, as well as uh, caring for patients with stomas. Um, and it is a massive honor for me to be here in such illustrious company with Jan. Um, and thank you very much for having me. Um, I agree very much with Jan that it's, you know, it's our priority to make sure that patients get the care that they deserve when they have a stoma. And for me, the really, you know, integral and rewarding part of this job is helping patients get back to the quality of life that they desire and helping them get back to being able to do preschool pickups and to do, you know, their jobs and their hobbies and things like that with a stoma and teaching them how they can be successful with that. You know, and before we can even, I think, talk about that, can we just clarify what a stoma is and what an ostomy is, just in case this is new information um, for the listeners of this podcast? 
Sure. So um, an ostomy is an open, just means opening. And it, it usually, especially for our IBD patients, would be an opening into the GI tract. So that means either the small intestine, and in that opening is called an ileostomy, or in the large intestine, and that's called a colostomy. And what that means is a piece of the intestine is brought to the skin and stool is discharged at that point. And I think the important thing for people to remember is when the stool is discharged out of the body at that place, the person who has an ostomy has no sensation or control over that. And in order to manage it, they wear an odor-proof pouching system over the area to collect stool. So stoma, another word, means ostomy as well. Uh, actually means the actual opening as opposed ostomy is a little more general. And why would someone have a stoma or uh, and an ostomy? Yeah, so patients um, can undergo stoma creation for a litany of reasons. Often in the lens of inflammatory bowel disease, that can be because of disease that's refractory to medical therapy. So disease severity that's persisting despite our best efforts with the medications that we have to offer. Um, It can also be for patients with profound perianal disease. So often in Crohn's disease, patients can have um, tracts develop uh, from their rectum to the skin that can be very uh, painful and can cause a significant health burden. Um, And so sometimes we will have an ileostomy, as Jan explained, an opening to the ileum or small bowel to help divert stool away from that area. Um, And often we also have stoma creation in patients that can develop dysplasia or precancerous cells within the colon. Um, And those are probably the chief reasons uh, in inflammatory bowel disease for stoma creation. When patients are told that they need to, to to undergo this surgery in order to have a stoma or an ostomy, what is the first thing they usually think of? Or what is their first reaction usually? I think most people have little knowledge of what an ostomy is. And if they have knowledge, it usually isn't particularly positive Mm. because they probably have heard about people having problems. Because quite frankly, people with ostomies who don't have problems, there's nothing to talk about. They're just back (laughs) into their lives. So many people will say, oh, no, that's that bag thing. I don't, how do people live with it? I think our role really is important, especially during the decision-making part, to help people understand that people live very easily with an ostomy bag once they make that adjustment. And I never underestimate the fact that it's an adjustment for our patients Mm -hmm. to learn how to live with an ostomy. But we know at University of Chicago that we are going to be there to support them through that journey. So we spend, Marita and I spend a lot of time talking to our patients about living with an ostomy. And we always say, usually, at least I start my conversation by telling asking them, so what What did you think when you heard that word ostomy? Because if you don't hit their fears right away or their major concerns, they'll hear nothing else that we're going to say. It's really important um, because it is. it seems like such a life-changing, or at least it could be a very life-changing, uh, any surgery, of course, is going to have a huge impact on someone because it is something that they are going to undergo and is a major, major surgery. Um, but then to be coming out of it and to be changing the way that one eliminates would seem like that would be, of course, something that would, people would be would have questions about. Um, Marita, is there anything you would add to what Jan said? Yeah, I think what Jan said is absolutely perfect. I would say here at University of Chicago, we really highlight the importance of the interdisciplinary care model. And one of the unique parts of my role, which is nice, is I often see patients with IBD when they're well. Um, and we'll sometimes see patients um, with refractory disease and can kind of shepherd them through that process to getting to the stoma from having, you know, very 
very severe disease to getting to the stoma. And so it's a unique opportunity to be able to address, as Jan said, you know, what are the fears? What are the concerns? Um, and then looking at what are the potential benefits and what are the things that you can get back to doing? What are the quality mm. of life metrics that we can shoot for here that will give objective improvement? Um, and the patient can feel subjectively that they've made the right choice. Cause that's, I think, one of the hardest parts for patients is, you know, we've got a lot of options for therapy these days. It's a really dynamic treatment landscape right now. Um, and looking at, well, should I wait for just one more drug to come out? Should I wait for just one more thing? What's the right decision? They don't want to make this permanent decision that isn't the right one for them. Mm -hmm. So as Jan mentioned, giving a huge support to them and really making sure that they are aware of all the resources available to them and really walking them through what's a day in the life, you know, with a stoma look like for them and what could they expect in terms of, you know, pouch function, in terms of, um, you know, how often they're emptying, how often... Um, you know, they need to change the pouching system, all of those things and getting down to the real nitty gritty of the day to day, I often find is really um, fear alleviating for patients for the most part, and also offers the opportunity to then address, you know, some more specific concerns that may come up as the education is being provided. What does the day in the life of an ostomy patient who has taken this leap, what does it look like? Well, um, so we talked about that they wear a pouching system, and that pouching system fits around the ostomy opening. Mm -hmm. They keep that in place 24 hours a day, um, and they usually change it, meaning take it off and put a new one on about every three days. So they plan, you know, a, a scheduled change time is what we pretty much call it. So that they put it on one day, they take it off the next day, they don't have any issues um, with the seal or the pouch in between. But during the day, they need to check the pouch occasionally because at the bottom of the pouch is a closure. And the closure allows the patient to open up the end and to drain the stool into the toilet. And for most of our ileostomy patients, they're emptying the pouch into the toilet four to maybe six times a day. You know, when I talk to people about it and they go, whoa, six times a day. But when you think about it, they empty it before they go to bed. They empty it when they get up and then several more times during the day, depending on what they're eating or drinking. In terms of activity, there's no limitations to activities on a daily basis. People worry that perhaps they can't go swimming mm -hmm. um, and the pouch adhesive is waterproof. So absolutely they can, of course, take a shower and a bath as well. Or the person who might uh, be in construction says, well, can I really go back to work if I wear a pouch? It might be a problem. And again, the answer is yes. There may be some accommodations, you know, certain types of protection over a pouching system for people, or maybe certain clothes to keep it nice and flat so that the person can wear their bathing suit or a slinky dress or tight blue jeans. Um, but those are the kind of things that we gradually go over people uh, with people. And one of the things I probably should point out is our IBD section and our uh, colorectal section have some really nice videos that we've put together that talk about things like this. So for instance, we have a video on how to conceal an ostomy pouch because I think of all the questions or issues that I hear from people, it's won't everyone know I have it? Won't people mm. be able to see it underneath my clothes? Um, and I understand that. It sounds like it would, but being able to see an actual person in their blue jeans or in a dress or doing normal activities is fabulous. So we usually try to use those videos that we have on our website to help people understand kind of what it looks like in uh, the big terms, clothes and activities. 
Yeah, those videos are an incredible resource. I'm so glad that we have those because um, I feel like seeing is really believing. And there is, you know, fortunately with, I think, our media landscape, there is just a lot more information about ostomy and people living with ostomies and uh, how that how everything works than there used to be. But I think it's really nice that we have um, what I consider to be the gold standard of those resources available right here on our website. Marita, is there anything else you would add to like what it's like to, to li- uh, that patients have told you what it's like to live with an ostomy? One, one thing that patients will often say is, well, will everyone know, as Jan mentioned, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things I try to tell them, like, if you don't tell them, they don't know. That's the mm-hmm. advantage of our pouching systems that we have being odor proof and having a really, you know, dynamic shared decision-making process with your ostomy care team to make sure that you have a pouching system that is free of leakage, free of failure, and able to provide that predictable um, seal because predictability is power, as I tell them. Um, And oftentimes as well, they think four to six times, that's so many times to empty during the day. But when you think of patients with really complex and severe inflammatory bowel disease, Sometimes that can be upwards of 20 times a day that they're going to the bathroom and it's unpredictable. It's times Mm -hmm. that they are rushing out of a meeting, hanging up the phone, you know, not being able to bring their kids to school in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you get predictability there as well. So knowing, as you mentioned, in the morning, at night, and maybe after meals, you're going to be emptying your pouching system. Mm -hmm. Those things are helpful. Additionally, the nice part I've seen in the last um, five years that I've been in inflammatory bowel disease is there's this huge advent on social media of um, this body positivity movement. And that Mm. hasn't excluded our patients uh, with stomas, Mm -hmm. which is very exciting to see. Um, The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, as well as some other um, social media outlets, do a lot of body positivity work um, for patients with inflammatory bowel disease and ostomates as well. What is what does body positivity that can you say a little bit more about that what what does that look like for our patients with ostomies? And what you know, what is what is positive about body positivity for them? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, when you look at the general population, we see this this modern ideal of beauty and this modern ideal of what's socially acceptable for, you know, whatever stage of life that you're in. And this movement is, you know, meant to be more inclusive and show that everyone is beautiful in their own way. And oftentimes our patients can struggle with this when they have large abdominal scars, when they've undergone many surgeries, when they have Um, you know, certain types of fistulas and things like that. That can be really damaging to patients' body image and can ultimately lead to some anxiety and depression associated with their disease and their healthcare burden. Mm -hmm. Um, So using this as, you know, Jan said, if you can see people like you, then it gives you this feeling of solidarity. So a lot of these um, organizations have been showing there's one group particularly that's run by a couple women with IBD and they post pictures of them all on vacation and they're they're out in their cute bathing suits and they've made no adjustments to the type of bathing suit that they want to have because they have a stoma. And you can see their cute little pouching system out. <laughs> um, they may have a cover on it that, you know, matches their swimsuit or just their, you know, plain pouching system as they would normally wear it. But it's really empowering, I think, especially when you think of, you know, Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis often affects young people. And Mm -hmm. when you look at patients who are 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, confidence can sometimes be an issue in yourself at that time period. You're learning who you are. And then when you're going through that whilst having a chronic disease, that can really be a huge, you know, burden on them. So seeing people that look like them, that are young like them, um, and even older patients as well, is really empowering for patients to be able to say like, yes, I've got a stoma, so what? You know, I'm going to go do what I want to do. And this is me taking ownership and it's not going to hold me back. It's going to help propel me into the opportunities I want in the future because mm-hmm. my disease is under control. 
Oh, that's so wonderful. What a wonderful change the last 10 years have brought for us with that compared to, I can't imagine, you know, how, uh, what the dark ages of feeling like this is something that you can't be, you can't be open about or that you feel some sort of shame or embarrassment, which sounds like we're kind of on the way out. I just have another comment because I agree with you. There's been a huge change in talking about ostomies. And I see that in my young patients in particular Mm. telling me, oh yeah, my roommate knows all about this or my all my girlfriends have seen it or I talk about it all the time. Where I think 20 years ago, it was, oh no, we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't tell anyone. I, oh, my husband's the only one who knows. My, wow. my children don't even know. And I think the more we can talk about it, the more realistic it becomes for people to live with it. They mm-hmm. understand that they can. Now I'm hearing a lot more people coming in. We're kind of sitting down and talking about decision-making and they say, well, you know, my girlfriend's brother has one and I talked to him or I talked to so many people before I came here where before people knew nobody. Mm-hmm. They, not that they had met anyone with it, but that person didn't talk about it. And I think that open that, that door has opened quite a bit in the last 10 years. Oh my gosh, absolutely. My next question is what do you wish people knew as you know, patients that are maybe about to take this step? What do you wish they knew about having an ostomy, living with an ostomy? And I can start because I do talk to patients quite a bit. Um, and when I started working at the IBD center, I knew no one with an ostomy. And then I met a few people and now I know probably, you know, more than a hundred people who live with an ostomy. And I would just say um, all of them, I mean, a hundred percent, would say that their life is so much better, that they are so grateful that they have this opportunity to get this surgery, to have this change in how their body works, because now they can do all the things that they couldn't do before. And being miserable living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis is no life. It's not a life for anybody. Um, but what would you say to patients who, you know, come to you with the you know, surgeon or their doctor has said, this is something that is on the table for them? What do you wish they knew? I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, Mm -hmm. So many people come back and say, I wish I would have made this decision sooner. Um, But they had to wait till they were ready for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think um, control is probably the number one thing that we can provide to patients, especially some of our very sick IBD patients who tell me the stories about not being able to eat anything when they go out with friends because they're worried that they're going to have a bowel movement or not being able to take long car rides because they know they're going to need the washroom in a couple hours. That's not control. Um, Control is I have a pouching system. I'll empty it whenever I get to a bathroom. There's no rush. The pouch is going to stay on. It's odor proof. So helping people understand that there's a big issue of control that we believe we'll be able to help them get back. It's really wonderful. Marita, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And I think, you know, as Jan mentioned, control is so huge when just your bodily function is out of your locus of control. That's a really um, challenging experience for patients. And so I often, you know, let them know, like, what are the biggest symptoms that you're you're experiencing now? And how would having a ostomy or a stoma change that experience? I have a lot of patients that come to see me. I'm a young mom. I have a lot of patients that um, have young children as well. And they'll say, I have 10 bowel movements in the morning and I can never get my child off Mm. to preschool. And they will just, I had one lady share with me recently. She was just sobbing with joy in her preschool Mm. parking lot because she was finally able to bring her children to preschool. And that's because 
she had a colectomy and had an ileostomy placed. So she now has this control back where she can be in charge of her daily schedule, but also be in charge of her daily schedule to be able to thrive. You know, if you're just surviving, there's so much that you're missing outside of, you know, the things that you can enjoy in life. If you're just going with your friends to dinner, but you're sitting there watching everyone else eat because you're concerned about urgency and frequency, then are you really enjoying yourself to the maximal potential? And if a stoma is right for you, depending on the unique situation that you're in, you know, it can really give you so much more control, especially when you have a big team like we have at UChicago backing you up to make sure that you have all the tools in your toolkit to be as successful as possible. So wonderful. <laughs> that really like touches me so much. As a mom myself, I'm just like, I I completely understand that. I as a mom and a patient, I completely understand that like the idea that uh being able to do the things that you need to do for other people, not even just for yourself, but you, because you are you have so many responsibilities um throughout the day. That's really great. Well, this has been wonderful. Um, is there anything that you guys would like to add or anything that we didn't? discuss yet or any other any other important like one thing that you you want everybody to know about ostomy um whether they have one or not or whether they're a patient or not is there anything that you guys would like to add i think the only thing i would add is to let people know that there are ostomy nurse specialists Mm -hmm. i'm not sure people always understand that and we are lucky at uoc we have a team of them both in the hospital and in the outpatient setting and not just in the Hyde Park campus. Um, so we really, I think it's really important that people, just as important as the surgeon, because the surgeon knows how to make the stoma, we know how to manage it. Mm-hmm. And that why, whole team piece is important. Why is it Why is it nursing that is so critical for ostomy care? What What is special about nurses? I'm asking two nurses. <laughs> What is special about nurses? But I think, I mean, what? why is that? Why is it so important? Um, well, let me comment then maybe Marita cool. can add as well. I, you know, I think as nurses, we are kind of head to toe kind of uh, providers. Mm-hmm. We're putting all those pieces together. Mm-hmm. The great thing about UOC is we have many, many specialists. And many of the specialists have different areas that they help to manage. But as nurses, even though we're nurse specialists, we tend to put the whole piece together. You know, Marita and I worry about what our patients eat, what gets eliminated, how they feel overall, what's their quality of life, as Marita mentioned before. So I think as nurses, we tend to pull that whole piece together. And we also tend to be that long-term provider as well. We are there for them at all times because we're well aware that as a person ages or gets more active or changes their profession, they may have other needs that they need to touch base with us. So being there for them through that entire time they have the ostomy, I think is one thing that nurses bring to the picture. Marina? Yeah, I think the core the core of nursing training is, is looking at the patient as a whole person, you know, hmm. not looking at them as, you know, their diseased colon or their structured small bowel, but looking at them as a whole person, you know, you Mm -hmm. are a woman standing in front of me, you are a mom, you are a professional, and you happen to have Crohn's disease, not Crohn's disease being, you know, the first part of that sentence using the first and first language, but also first and first approach is really um, important. And looking really, you know, at the interdisciplinary care model, I think as nursing, we really look at what's the surgical piece, what's the medical piece, what's, you know, what we call the nursing piece or the stoma management piece, but then also looking at the other amazing resources we have here of 
we have a really robust um, dietitian team, mm. um, and nutrition team, as well as being lucky enough to have a GI psychologist on staff who can help with a lot of, you know, the things that our patients go through and can help support us in our quest to give them really comprehensive care. And oftentimes I find us as kind of like the quarterback. So we're looking at, you know, we're seeing the patient, um, you know, every month, every couple months for whatever, you know, reason, and then saying, you know, I think it's time for you to go back and talk with the surgeon, or I think it's time for you to go back and talk with your attending physician, or perhaps this is a good time for us to plug into GI psychology and kind of using that as um, just the touch point for the patient. You know, they've got enough to consider in their lives. If they've got one person as that touch point, it's helpful for their management. Absolutely. Definitely the quarterbacks. That's what we should be calling you always. Um, <laughs> our advanced practice providers, that is exactly what they are. Um, that is so true. Oh, Marita, I'm, we're so lucky to have both of you. I am just, uh, I'm thrilled. Um, thank you guys. I know you are both extremely busy and I thank you both for taking the time to talk with me today. And I look forward to sharing even more with our audience as we get more into this podcast. So thank you guys both so much, Jan and Marita. Thank you Our for pleasure. having us. Thank you for listening to the podcast Visceral from the GI Research Foundation. This episode was written, produced, and edited by me, Anna Gomberg, and mixed by the incredible Mike Collins Dowd, who also composed our theme music. We hope you'll join us next time and rate, like, or subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Until then, visit the GI Research Foundation at GIRF.org, that's G-I-R-F.org, to learn more about how to support the research that treats, cures, and prevents digestive diseases. <laughs>